Hello and welcome to the Daily Reprieve Podcast, where the sexaholic or sex addict can find experience, strength, and hope from those that have traveled this road ahead of us. This episode is produced in the spirit of the 12th step to carry the message to other sexaholics. Every effort has been made to remove full names of the speakers in these recordings. This is done in order to follow the 11th tradition regarding anonymity at the level of press, radio, television, and film. This podcast is self-supporting through contributions. If you enjoy listening to this podcast and would like to support The Daily Reprieve, please do so by going to GoFundMe.com, search for The Daily Reprieve, and click on Donate Now. Without further ado, please enjoy today's Daily Reprieve. Well, good day, everyone. Uh, My name is Just Ray in Northern Maine. Um, and when I say just Ray, I don't mean just as in Justice League. I mean just as in simply. Uh, try to get myself out of the way here and let the gods come in. Uh, so I'm going to start off with uh, that version of the third step prayer. God, I give this day to you. Establish the work of my hands, steps of my feet, the words of my mouth, the direction of my gaze, the thoughts of my mind. And the attitude of my heart. Uh, that last line, the attitude of my heart, that was what really needed to change. Um, sticking to the format of what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now, well, I think a lot of us have in common uh, what it was like, uh, and that's why we're here. So I'm really delve too much into it, but as far back as uh, I can remember, uh, I remember finding uh, uh, I was the victim of uh, sexual assault, the survivor of that, uh, and one of the things that confused me the most is that um, in my developing mind, I saw most relationships being between men and women. And so I thought, okay, well, uh, that hasn't been my experience so far. Uh, and I remember discovering that around the age of 10. But then I, you know, I discovered that uh, men and women have sex um, by discovering magazines that my dad had hidden in the garage. And uh, that was what kicked off this chain of escape uh, you know, I, I, most people, you know, get in trouble for stealing alcohol if they're underage or trying to buy cigarettes if they're underage. But um, the first thing that I tried to shoplift uh, was pornography. Uh, that was my first and only drug for uh, a long time. And uh, then the Internet came around, and uh, my first sign of true unmanageability was in 1997 that uh, the landline was the only way you could have internet. So if somebody tried to call and uh, you were online, you'd get a busy signal. And uh, I remember I was at uh, our apartment. It's about a two-mile walk from uh, San Francisco State University. And my my wife was going to a night class. And I would drive her there and uh, drive her back. It wasn't the best neighborhood in the world. 
But uh, I discovered uh, pictures on this new internet was bang bang. And uh, she would use a payphone because, you know, cell phones were not all that common. She would use a payphone to call me and say, okay, I'm ready to get picked up. And uh, I got so lost in it that uh, next thing I know, my, my wife, very, very angry at the time, uh, coming into the apartment angrily. She had tried to call, tried to call, tried to call, could not get through, and uh, ended up having to walk <laughs> because I just fell into it. I just fell completely helplessly into it. And uh, looking back on it, that was probably the very first sign of complete unmanageability, uh, as well as powerlessness. And, and another note on powerlessness is that, uh, you know, I, I don't use a laptop much anymore, but um, and laptops became in vogue. Uh, that was my primary vehicle, as well as smartphones. Uh, and uh, really what ended up happening is that when I, whatever tra- whenever I would promise myself, today I'm not going to do it, I would stack uh, literature on top of it, pictures of family on top of the closed laptop, but um, I could not walk into the room and walk out of it without glancing at that laptop. And uh, I'm an alcoholic as well, so um, it's sort of like taking that first whiff or that first sip. By the time you get to that point, you know, you're already out of control, or at least at least I believe. Um, I couldn't say no. Whatever was offered up to me, I, I could not turn it down. It didn't really matter who you, you were. Uh, unless I hated their guts, I would have to truly hate someone in order to turn them down. And uh, that has only happened once, really. Uh, Okay, so, you know, what happened? Well, lust killed love. It certainly did. In every single relationship that I was in, uh, while I was active in my addiction, I can see that it wasn't a relationship at all. It was a hostage, you know. A hostage who was going to give me whatever it was I wanted, whenever, and um, I didn't care if they got uh, hurt in the process or not. They're just selfish and self-centered in the extreme. Uh, so when they say lust killed love, man, I, I can really look at that and look at my past relationships and uh, see that I was so self-centered and uh, demanding that, of course, they broke up with me. It seemed like the end of the world at the time, but looking back on it now, uh, I just, of course they did. You know, they'd have been a complete fool to stay with me, you know, and and that's just a a bit of perspective that I've gained from all of it. Um, You know, I was I was too embarrassed to acknowledge that I had this problem. I couldn't I couldn't even say the word masturbation at the first meeting I went to uh, because there was just so much shame and guilt involved. Uh, I kept. I was the person who could never be faithful. You know, I always had an out. I always had someone to go to um, sort of on the side, you know, lined up so that when my current relationship failed, I could just zip on into the new one. And uh, that pattern started to come to a screeching halt uh, the worse I got. My, uh, 
I, I unfortunately did a uh, 13th step. Um, somebody in the AA program here, and uh, that was the, you know, my wife knew that I had a pornography problem, and she was trying very hard to encourage me to uh, get help for it. And um, I was sort of half-heartedly, half-measuring, uh, coming into the rooms and talking to a therapist and all that, um, until that 13th step happened. And uh, somehow she psychically knew that something was up, and uh, it all went down very, very poorly in this small community where everybody knows everything about everyone else. And uh, my wife handed me uh, the ring and said, this is the only way I can make you understand. And then she walked away. And at that point, I knew the jig was up. It was do or die. Uh, she was probably the, uh, the first woman that I had ever really come to love. Uh, you know, I moving through the steps uh, is part of what happened for me. Uh, you know, first of all, the powerlessness and the unmanageability was incredibly apparent. Uh, it was last winter, uh, I was sleeping out in the car in the driveway while my wife was inside the house. Uh, you know, my mother-in-law was living here. She had a lot of questions about what was going on, but we didn't want to let her know. Plus, you know, there's a five-year-old in the house. and You know, everything was just chaos. And... Uh, I had to be ready to be ready. In order for that to happen, I had to be completely and totally destroyed. And when I looked at the rubble, I realized I had to burn down any rubble that was left. Get a bulldozer and just crush it, remove it, because it's full of old ideas, it's full of old attitudes. I needed to have that complete psychic change, that complete change of heart, that complete change of attitude. Uh, I got a sponsor. I started going to face-to-face meetings. And uh, face-to-face meetings for me, uh, one of them is six hours away, and the other one is three hours away. So we're talking minimum six-hour round trip, plus the meeting, plus the parking lot. And uh, it was what I had to do, though. My wife understood that that is something that I needed to do. Uh, Sometimes she would even accompany me, and we would make a day of it. And uh, for that, you know, that was a gift of grace that I feel I did not deserve. And I I still feel like I'm trying to pay the universe back for that one. Uh, And when it comes to the second step, you know, I'd had a lot of belief, but very little faith. Uh, I was one of those uh, self-appointed experts and enlightened wizards who thought that the intellectual and the physical world was all that there is. Uh, there's protons, electrons, neutrons, and unfortunately, morons. And uh, it took me a little while to realize that I was one of the morons. You know, I fancied myself to be a knight in shining armor in each relationship, but instead, really, I just ended up being some sort of idiot wrapped in tinfoil. Um, and that, you know, I had, to, I had to get perspective on myself. 
uh, there is a reading that I, that I would like to share. It actually isn't a program reading, but it was one of the first things that I, uh, that one of my friends sent me. It was uh, it's a poem by Max Paramount. It's called Desiderata. So I'll just read it real quick here. It says, Go placidly amid the noise and the haste, and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible, without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others. Even to the dull and the ignorant, they too have their story. Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexatious with the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain or bitter. For always, there will be greater and lesser persons than yourselves. Enjoy, Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your own career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. Neither be cynical about love. For in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. This is the important part for me. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune, but do not distress yourself with dark imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. And beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations, in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace in your soul. With all of its sham and drudgery and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be cheerful. Strive to be happy. Now, that rang true with me uh, on a lot of uh, on a lot of levels, it was shared with me by uh, a friend in another program um, a few days before he overdosed and he died, and um, I had the honor of reading that at his memorial service. Six months sober uh, from drugs and alcohol, and that happened, and uh, it really left a mark on me. And so I had to bring all that back into my life. Uh, faith. A lot of belief, very little faith. But fortunately, I sort of had an ancestral model. Uh, I had to stop debating what God was, what God meant, um, and really just stop debating and move forward. And, uh, you know, I went with my ancestral um, heathen religion. And uh, I found that it, it deepens and it broadens with each and every day. And, uh, you know, with step four, more and more uh, clarity comes to me over time. Um, sometimes I have to make additions to uh, the original fourth step that I had made under the direction of a sponsor uh, and using the little black words on the bright white pages um, just by following directions. And um, sometimes more and more comes to mind. 
Um, but I was more afraid of the hard part, you know, which was sharing it with another human being. You know, I could talk to the gods about it. I could admit it to myself. But having to tell another person, no way was that going to happen. But, um, you know, my sponsor was very good. and He was very patient. And uh, he was very much actively listening to me and sharing some of his experience as well. And uh, just like any other fifth step that you would do in any program, the fear of it just turned out to be a boogeyman. And uh, a heavy weight was really revealed. And when it came to step six, you know, the willingness to let go of every single defect of my ego, my character, my, my heart that was half black from misdeed, the whole lifetime of misdeed, uh, I found that uh, by using step seven, I had to pretty much do the steps on each character defect uh, and realize that uh, as long as I am sticking to these 12 simple rules, they're simple, they're not easy, but they're very simple. Uh, I could be okay. I could have an operating relative contentment in my life on a day-to-day basis that I never, ever had before. And that I always ask myself, am I better than I was last week? The answer is usually yes. Um, and that's because I'm able to turn to the seventh step and turn to another fellow and turn to uh, my pantheon of gods and, uh, you know, come to terms with the fact that I was wrong. You know, I am wrong. A lot. I don't always have the answer. Now, again, the step eight, you know, making a list of all the people that I had harmed, that's another thing that even almost a year in, that list gets longer. Um, I've harmed people in, you know, in unimaginable pain I have caused people I've never met, like spouses, uh, like parents, uh, I have hurt these people, and I have no idea where they are <laughs> or who they are. I never met them. But because of my behavior, my, it was so destructive. And my self-imagined uh, wanting to be lusted after, I didn't care who I hurt. Uh, so when it comes to that list, that list grows. And then, then it comes to, you know, step nine, fixing the damage, you know. And um, someone told me, you know, the best living amends is changed attitude and changed behavior. Stop talking about it. Just do it. Fix the damage. Have the courage to do it. And then let God take over the results. And uh, that's a step that uh, goes on throughout my life because I'm not going to be able to hunt down all of these people at once. Some of them are actually dead. And uh, my sponsor gave me a brilliant way of dealing with that as well. Uh, And step 10 is something that I do every single day. I do it. uh, I take 15 minutes as part of my wind down. Uh, I know a lot of people are uh, have trouble sleeping and their sleep hygiene kind of lacking. And I was one of those people. I would go to bed with uh, a mind full of garbage. And uh, when I started dedicating 15 minutes before going to bed um, to writing out 
you know, uh, with ink on paper, not typing, but actually taking ink and making images that turn into words with my hands in a purposeful way that, uh, that connected my body, my spirit, and uh, my mind all at once. When I'm writing, that's what I experience. So, you know, that's something that I can't recommend enough. And I, I write out my 10th step every single day. And I look at it and see where I can do better. Uh, can, I do, can I fix this tomorrow? Uh, is, this, is this something I need to call somebody right now over? And fortunately, I have the freedom to do those things today because of the previous nine steps. They're called the ninth step promises for a reason. We do read the promises. It's fantastic. But it's important for me to remember that um, the results never come before the action. And by taking the action of repairing all the damage that I've caused, um, then I just get a little bit more peace, a little bit more subtle settling. Uh, and, you know, when it comes to prayer and meditation, you know, I began studying more and more and more uh, spiritual ideas, adding them to my, my spiritual toolkit, uh, picking up things. Uh, there's actually a, uh, a restaurant that has curtains that have scripture on them. And there, there was one from Psalms. I've, I'm not a biblical person, but I love the way it reads. Um, and it's actually on the curtain in a restroom in the middle of nowhere. Um, and it says, you know, take up the shield of faith. And that actually means a lot more to me today than I ever thought it could. Um, you know, I, I was so desperate to put something between me and my lust um, that I needed a shield. And I needed to take up that shield. To shield me in sudden misfortune as well as shield me from uh, harmful things out there in the world. And as long as I walk in step with my higher power, um, I find that the days just go by so much easier. I have a shield now. Something is, you know, pops up in front of me, boom, I go to God. I go to my God immediately. And um, I'm able to navigate a grocery store without getting whiplash. Um Let's see here, okay, yeah. Deepening and broadening my, my, my ideas of God is that, you know, I, I had to realize that God is not just one thing. God is everything. And once I was able to wrap my head around the idea that I would never, ever understand my heart, then it's okay to have the courage to trust that higher power. It can't be put in a box that can be defined and labeled. It's, it's ineffable runs through absolutely everything. Uh, and there's not a lot of SA people up here. So when it comes to step 12, um, I actually work with other recovering addicts. I go into the jail uh, here and uh, take in meetings. Even if it's not a sexaholic that's suffering, I always find someone every day who I can help. And it's not necessarily even with the program. I can help somebody clear their driveway off from the snow. I can, as long as I am being of service to someone who is not me, um, 
I feel better. Because the measure I give is the measure I get back. My life today is so much more incredibly rewarding and rich and full than I have ever imagined. These 12 steps and having the humility uh, and the encouragement to take them, um, I, I actually have a love life. I used to gauge my life in the way of a sex life, but that's, that's an immature idea in my mind. Um, I didn't realize how immature I really was until I was able to step back and look at my life with a little bit of God-given clarity. And now I have a love life. You know, I, I no longer try and run the show in my house. I had this idea that, okay, well, you know, we're, we're living in northern Maine now. This is my house, and everyone's going to abide by my rules. They're going to do chores. They're going to do their laundry. They're going to do this, that, and the other. And um, all it did was make me miserable. And um, for me, I gave up the house I wanted in favor of the house that I actually have. And that's where acceptance came in for me. And that was a dramatic change. And still, you know, I look at what it is that I have and realize that I want to keep what I have more than I want to, uh, you know, divide and conquer something that I don't have. You know, there's that, that phrase, if the grass looks greener on the other side of the fence, water your damn lawn. Um, and that was a piece of wisdom from one of my sponsors. And having that relative operating contentment from day to day, being able to actually have the joy response that they talk about in the literature, um, I really can't be thankful enough. Uh, I didn't understand that phrase when I first came to the meetings. I think it was Dennis that actually said, um, uh, for which I will never be sufficiently grateful. First time I heard that, I thought, that's kind of a strange idea. But now I actually absorb it, and uh, it becomes part of my day uh, just to be grateful for everything that I do have still and how my shield of faith works. I followed that sign that had the inscription on it, this is the way to a faith that works. And I'm here to tell you, they're not kidding. And if someone like me could do this, anyone can. All they would really need to do is follow the, follow the instructions. It's the craziest thing. You know, if all else fails, read the manual. You know, um, look at the assembly instructions. Uh, you know, life is not, it doesn't all have to be Ikea, where you're given this box of things to assemble with core instructions. Uh, and it's a beautiful life now. It's a beautiful thing. With all of its sham and drudgery and conflict, and constant rage addiction that's out there in the world right now, I am able to step back from that and just be an observer of it rather than participate in the madness. And uh, that's, that's another gift that this program has given me, is being able to actually step back, put myself in perspective, and try and help somebody else. And um, by following these steps and uh, using love to kill lust, actions of love to kill lust. Um, I'm here to tell you, it works. It really works if you work it. And that has been my experience. Um, that's been my strength. And all I can really do is tell you that this thing works. So don't give up five minutes before the miracle because hope 
is out there and hope is very real. And with that, I'll close. Thank you very much for listening to me for so long. And um, I love all of you. I really do. I'll pass. 